This is Ozarks at Large for Thursday, November 10th, 2022. I'm Kyle Callums. The 75th annual original Ozark Folk Festival is underway in Eureka Springs. The festival, with both free and ticketed music, continues through Saturday night. Later this hour, Timothy Dennis will give us highlights of the festival and of a week's worth of other concerts in our region. And in our second half hour, we get ready for a musical homecoming as saxophonist Keith Jackson prepares to play in his hometown of Fayetteville for the first time in nearly 20 years. We begin today with DACA. The fate of over a million undocumented youth, including thousands in Arkansas, seeking to maintain or obtain U.S. immigration credentials to legally live and work in the U.S., continues to hang in the balance because of a federal court challenge. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. A national program known as Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, DACA for short, established a decade ago under the Obama administration, has enabled hundreds of thousands of undocumented youth and young adults to legally live, work, and drive in the U.S., the program was the result of a 2012 memorandum issued by the Secretary of the U.S. Department of Homeland Security to help young people illegally brought across the U.S. border by families, guardians, or unaccompanied. In 2018, a handful of states challenged the DACA program as unconstitutional. In July of 2021, U.S. District Judge Andrew Hannon of Houston, Texas, ruled the Obama administration had illegally implemented DACA, partially ending a key part of the program. That decision was appealed, but early last month, a three-judge panel of the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld Judge Hannon's decision. Anticipating efforts by a growing anti-immigration federal judiciary to kill DACA, the Biden administration in August codified the originating Department of Homeland Security memorandum into regulatory law. Because of this, the Fifth Circuit panel decided to maintain a portion of the DACA program pending a decision by Judge Hannon. Uh, my name is Fernando Urbina. I am the chief of staff at ImmigrationHelp.org, and we help individuals prepare their immigration forms for free. Fernando Urbina and his team at the nonprofit Immigration Help, headquartered in Cambridge, Massachusetts, have, along with other DACA legal aid advocates, been ordered for now to cease processing new DACA applicants. So essentially, um, the Biden administration had created a new rule in August um, in an attempt to fortify the DACA program. And what is happening now is that rule is going to be reviewed by Judge Hannon um, in order to make a decision on whether these new uh, uh, rules um, are appropriate and whether DACA can stand based on these new rules. Judge Hannon is expected to rule unfavorably against the DACA program, Urbina says, but when that ruling will be issued remains unknown. We are nervous about what that will mean for individuals who of course, are not already on DACA, but also those who have DACA may become at risk of deportation as well at that point. The current number of DACA recipients granted a stay of deportation and work authorization as of June is slightly under 600,000, including 4,100 in Arkansas. Over a million are currently eligible to apply, including 7,000 in Arkansas. Right now, individuals who already have DACA are able to continue renewing their status still. If you didn't already have DACA status, then you can't apply for the first time. And so you have to essentially wait until a decision is made and hope that new DACA applications are accepted again in the future. The nonprofit Immigration Help, which operates on donations, remotely assists youth and young people to accurately fill out DACA application forms, which can be challenging and costly. It is. There are really specific eligibility requirements in place. So those are you have to have entered the U.S. before you were 16 years old. You have to have lived continuously in the U.S. since June 15th of 2007. Um, and you also have to have no felony are significant misdemeanor charges, and you have to either meet one of two requirements, which are to be honorably discharged veteran or to have graduated from high school or currently be in school. Um, and so there are so many different requirements that are in place um, that individuals need to meet before they're eligible to apply and then receive the DACA um, status. 
Urbina says anti-immigration advocates opposed DACA because they claim recipients take away employment and education prospects from American-born people. But according to the Migration Policy Institute, DACA recipients comprise only 1% of the 74 million millennials ages 16 to 32 in the U.S. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Real construction laborers' wages in the northwest Arkansas area dropped nearly 5% from 2019 to 2021, according to a report from Construction Coverage. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports, although northwest Arkansas is expanding with housing divisions and new buildings, other factors are having an impact on construction laborer wages. There are about 1,400 construction laborers in the Fayetteville-Rogers-Springdale area who work on construction sites operating equipment, cleaning or preparing the space, or assisting craft workers earning an annual average salary of almost $36,000, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. Northwest Arkansas is experiencing growth with new houses and larger projects, but the real wages for construction laborers in this part of the region lowered nearly 5%, according to a report from Construction Coverage. Nationally, more jobs have been added to the labor market, but the labor shortage remains. Mervyn Jabaraj, the director of the Center for Economic Research at the Walton College of Business, says part of the wage drop is how many people are available to do a certain job. In terms of overall wages in the construction industry, those jobs that are highly skilled command higher wages. There are fewer people doing those jobs. And the other side of this on the supply side is that uh, with greater levels of immigration we've had in previous decades, for example, there were a lot more people to do all kinds of different construction jobs. And that level of immigration has dropped off significantly in the last several years, especially In the study, it cites higher home and rent prices, plus increasing buying and building real estate costs, leading to lower demand for construction. Jabaraj says usually on a regional level, construction wages are higher when there is more construction demand because employers try to attract more people into the labor force. There are some limits around that in the sense that Uh, They can only offer higher wages in as much as they're able to then sell whatever they're building for a higher price. Although construction labor wages decreased in the Fayetteville-Rogers-Springdale area, the place with the highest increase in construction laborer wages was in the Indianapolis, Carmel, Anderson area in Indiana, where they rose 20 percent, according to the report. Other states with increased construction laborer wages included New York and Pennsylvania. Jabaraj says in the Fayetteville-Rogers-Springdale area, there has not been a significant change in construction labor employment from 2021 to 2022. And as a result, there has not been a significant wage change. He says some jobs in the hospitality industry have kept pace with inflation. So those specific jobs have seen wage increases that kept pace with inflation, but most jobs have not, which is why you see a lot of action being taken to address high levels of inflation. Uh, Because in general, most jobs cannot afford to increase wages as fast as inflation has gone up in the recent year. Jabaraj says wages have been climbing at a slower rate compared to the beginning of the year because the Federal Reserve raised rates to slow the economy to address inflation. He says one of the reasons why there is more of an effort to control inflation is to prevent a wage price spiral, where inflation leads to higher wages. Then those increased wages drive prices up, resulting in a loop. And we've so far avoided it, given that prices have gone up and you know, wages have not gone up nearly as much to keep up uh, with price increases. But I think the point is, in general, if you start seeing wage increases that keep pace with inflation, that would almost be a concern as much as anything else. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Anna Pope. The University of Arkansas soccer team will open play in the NCAA tournament 
tomorrow night with a home match against Missouri State. First kick scheduled for 6.30 tomorrow night. The winner will then face the winner of Ohio State and Bucknell in the second round. The John Brown University women's soccer team playing for the Sooner Athletic Conference title tonight on the road against the top seed in the tournament, the University of Science and Arts of Oklahoma. And the JBU men's run in the SAC tournament now over after a semifinal 1-0 loss to Mid-America Christian earlier this week. November is Native American Heritage Month. The Museum of Native American History invites you to celebrate the lives and artistry of the first people of all of the Americas. Located in Bentonville, open Monday through Saturday from 9 to 5. More information at monah.org. The Arkansas Senior Health Insurance Information Program, RSHIP, offers free, confidential, unbiased, and educational advice for those needing to find the best Medicare Part D drug plan for 2023. EZ Spanish Radio and RSHIP will provide those speaking Spanish and Marshallese assistance with Medicare and how COVID-19 and Medicare coordinate during an event November 18th at the Springdale Civic Center from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. For information, insurance.arkansas.gov. Still to come on this edition of Ozarks at Large, Keith Jackson is a Chicago-based musician who grew up playing jazz in Fayetteville. I remember, you know, quite clear, quite clearly um, being mentored by, you know, Alan Gibson, Hayes Porterfield, John Clark, Claudia Burson, Jim Greeson, and many others. He's coming back with a trio to perform Sunday night on Mount Sequoia. Our conversation ahead on today's Ozarks at Large. Time now for today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. I'm Paul Gatling. Well, by now you know the results. Election 2022 is in the books and Arkansas has chosen its next governor. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Republican, defeated Democrat Chris Jones and Libertarian Ricky Dale Harrington. Sanders is, of course, the daughter of former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee and will be the state's first woman governor. Inauguration Day is January 10, 2023. Also this week, Massachusetts elected a woman to be its next governor. When she and Sanders take office in January, there will be 11 female governors in the U.S. Now we've got that story, plus results and reporting from other election 2022 races in Arkansas, and you can find all of it online at talkbusiness.net. There's more news after the break on today's Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report. Support for the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal report is provided by the Arkansas State Chamber of Commerce and Associated Industries of Arkansas. The Chamber's mission is to promote a pro-business, free enterprise agenda and prevent legislation, regulation, and rules that hinder business. ArkansasStateChamber.com Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield For more than 70 years, Arkansas Blue Cross and Blue Shield has used its knowledge and compassion to create health care solutions for individuals and businesses. More information at ArkansasBlueCross.com First Security is proud to be only in Arkansas. They offer smart solutions for personal and business banking, plus convenient services and community investment. First Security, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Arkansas Bank Executive Davey Carter has a unique position to offer insight on how the most recent 75 basis point interest rate hike from the Federal Reserve Bank is impacting the economy. Carter is a regional executive with Centennial Bank in Jonesboro, and he also sits on the Memphis Branch Board of Directors of the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank. His job in that role is to provide anecdotal evidence to the broad range of data being reviewed by Fed policymakers. In a recent interview with Roby Brock, Carter discussed the effects of four interest rate hikes the Feds have made in recent months. Well, it's certainly um, been top of mind for um, everybody. I mean, it's the lead you know, story on today's show and on you know, the front page of newspapers, etc. So we're getting a lot of phone calls, particularly on the deposit side about uh, you know, deposit rates and CDs. And, you know, it's just been a big move for 75-point 
hikes, um, you know, consecutively, you know, it's moved, um, has moved rates up significantly. So it's changed not only the, you know, deposit, you know, liability side on the bank, but also borrowing costs on the uh, commercial and residential lenders and consumer lenders. So, you know, the entire landscape has changed and, and um, you know, our customers are holding in their well. Um, we'll, we'll be fine. You know, the average Fed funds rate is, you know, was higher than this over the last, you know, 50, 60 years. So, I know it's a big change, but at the end of the day, I think um, I think we'll all be just fine. We have to adjust a little bit, but well, let me ask you this: the whole point of doing this is to curb inflation, to get a handle on inflation, which we still see some inflationary numbers that we don't like uh, out there. When you look at the some of the month to month stuff, I guess is the is the policy working? Not yet. Um, and I think that's been evidenced by their continuing uh, to do the 75 basis points. Those are big steps, you know, to get to where they want to go. Now, Powell yesterday did say that, you know, we're going to probably start taking some smaller incremental steps as we get closer to the end. Um, but he also said, in, uh, in addition to that, that, you know, but we're probably going to go a little bit higher than, than what we said in the past. So I think we'll see, um, as they start to take these smaller steps, 50 basis points, maybe 25, you know, a couple of meetings after, I think then we can start to see that things are going to, uh, uh, are getting close to, to being at the end. But, you know, when you move from where we were, you know, to 2% or two and a quarter, that's still really, really low rates. And so I don't think we've seen the effects of what they're trying to do yet, but when we get Fed funds at four and a half, five percent or even higher, I mean, that will, That'll slow some stuff down. I mean, that's just the it. it, it we're, that'll slow things down there, but we're not there yet. Well, what is kind of? I guess what do you kind of envision as the end game here? When will you feel like the moves that have been done, and when will it be? When you see inflationary numbers that are back to below two percent, where they have been, you know, consistently over the last ten years? Will it be some sort of economic activity reading? What What are you going to be looking for to say? All right, I think we're there now. Yeah, all of the above. I mean, the Fed's looking, they're very data oriented. So, you know, they're going to be looking at all of this inflation data, but, you know, that's mostly, uh, you know, it's looking in the rearview mirror. So they're going to, and they've said publicly, they're probably going to go a little too far, but they feel like that they're going to err. It's better to err on that side and then potentially unwind that then to miss this because you know, the real fear here is that this uncontrollable inflation and i know it's painful uh, particularly for customers um, on the borrowing side but you know, if you think about the alternative and you're losing eight to ten percent of your purchasing power with your money every year which is what's been going on at, at a minimum uh, you know that if that doesn't get under control, then then that's much worse situation. So I think what we'll see as far as the interest rate hikes, uh, whether they're coming in, I think we'll see that gradual um, 50 basis points in a quarter, and they'll start tapering this thing down, very much like stopping your vehicle. I heard that analogy earlier today. You know, you're going down the highway at, at 80, uh, and, and you want to stop. You, you've got to slow down at, at some point. Um, without coming to just a sudden slam on the brakes. So I think that's, you know, what they're looking for. I think just from um, your viewers and our customers and, and, and people here, I think, you know, that's that's what we need to track is just watch the tapering off of these hikes. But they're going to be more interest rate hikes. I mean, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in December. It's going to happen in the next meeting. And it'll happen in the next, in the next meeting, uh, you know, unless something unexpected happens. Your driving analogy there indicates to me you've not taught a teenager to drive lately. I know you've taught a few, but I don't know if you've taught a few lately because the slamming on the brakes happens a lot uh, when you're teaching them for the first time. So, uh, Fair enough, so yeah. Some have said that the, the Fed's moves are too aggressive. Um, I guess I'll just give you a chance to address that. Um, that criticism, that critique, you seem to be indicating it's not too aggressive, that, that they're doing it at a pace that is trying to get caught up with what was in that rearview mirror that you talked about. Yeah, that's my opinion. I think they waited too long. I mean, they, in good faith, I mean, I, I, I think in good faith, they thought early on that this was uh, transitory and it was temporary and they were wrong. And, you know, it got so far out ahead of us and them 
uh, that there was just a big, uh, a big gap there to catch up. So, you know, look, there's no good alternatives here. Um, they, they, they waited a little too long with, um, you know, and they have to catch up because the getting inflation under control um, is more important than the slowdown that this interest rate increases are going to cause. So, and that's Arkansas banker Davy Carter, who is a member of the Memphis branch board of directors of the St. Louis Federal Reserve Bank. You can watch that entire interview with Roby Brock over on our sister website, talkbusiness.net. Shares of Tyson Foods dipped on Wednesday after Bank of America downgraded its outlook for the meat processing company. And that made worse an already bad week for its new chief financial officer, who was arrested early Sunday morning in a drunken incident near Dixon Street in downtown Fayetteville. John R. Tyson was arrested for criminal trespassing and public intoxication. According to a Fayetteville police report, a college-aged woman returned to her residence and found Tyson, whom she did not know, passed out in her bed. The company says it's a personal matter, and it's unclear if Tyson will face any internal discipline over the arrest. Tyson is 32 years old and the great-grandson of company founder John W. Tyson. He's worked for the business since 2019 and was just elevated to CFO two months ago. He is scheduled to deliver his first earnings report early next week. And there's a leadership change to report at the nonprofit group Downtown Bentonville Incorporated. Andrew Heath is no longer executive director. Dana Sargent Slagenhoft, DBI's communications director, has assumed the job on an interim basis effective immediately. The announcement late Tuesday afternoon did not include a reason for Heath's departure. For more news, visit us at nwabusinessjournal.com, where you can follow our reporting each and every day. I'm Paul Gatling, and that's the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Until next time, thanks for listening. Oh my goodness, it is Thursday already, and that means it's time to think about live, well, it's always time to think about live music, right. but to help us think about specific live music events, Timothy Dennis. Hello. Hello. So let's start this week. I have an egregious error that I want to talk about that I made last week during this segment. All right. I said that last weekend <laughs> was time for the 75th annual original Ozark Folk Festival in Eureka Springs. You were just, you was, were just pre-gaming. I was pre-gaming to the extreme because I was wrong. I was completely and utterly <laughs> wrong. The Folk Festival is this weekend. It starts today. Started today. So y'all didn't miss it? No, no. So we're going to talk about it again. It started today. Mm -hmm. There's free music every day during the day, starting at 11 a.m. in the basement of the auditorium in Eureka Springs. In the basement. Tomorrow, Jesse Dean, Front Porch, and Shannon Wurst will be performing live sets. Love them both. Saturday, it'll be Dandelion Heart, Brian Martin from the band Sad Daddy. Love them. And Ozark Mountain Rhombus. And then there are also after parties taking place at Chelsea's. Tonight, they're having an open bluegrass jam. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow night, it'll be Danny Spain Gang. And mm -hmm. then Saturday night, Chucky Wags and the Company of Rags. Excellent. As well as Shiloh Molina and the Honky Tonk Flame. Then the main stage tonight, obviously, is the Barefoot Ball featuring mm -hmm. Willie Carlisle and Chucky Wags. It's still going on if you're listening at 7 to our show. All right. Tomorrow night... It's going to be Rachel Ammons and the band Shiny Ribs. And we do. I said it last week, but we love Rachel. And I'll agree with that again. Yes. And then Saturday night, it's going to be the Hot Club of Cowtown and Pokey Lafarge. Well, my baby caught a train, she left me a mule to ride. Yeah, my baby caught a train, left me a mule to ride. I stand right by my gate with a 44 by my side. Man, that is a heck of a lineup. It is a heck of a lineup. You can find more details if you search Facebook or if you just Google 75th Original Ozark Folk Festival. Gotcha. Okay, now for the rest of the music happening in the next few days. Well, actually, let's talk about tonight. All right. Nomad's Trailside in Fayetteville is going to have a show featuring sludge, metal, and doom music. Local bands Mudlung and Ghost Hollow will be on the bill. They're joined with the band Destroyer of Light from Austin. She's desired, desired. 
for that's five dollars. That gets underway at eight o'clock this evening again at Nomad's Trailside in Midtown Fayetteville. Tomorrow night, George's Majestic Lounge in Fayetteville is going to have an evening of prog rock and jamtronica, featuring the bands Papadocio from Ohio and Central Arkansas's own Deep Sequence. For that is $20 in advance, goes up to $25 at the door. That gets underway at about 9.30 tomorrow evening at George's in Fayetteville. JJ's Live in Fayetteville tomorrow evening is going to have a rap show featuring Waka Flocka Flame. He's a rapper from Atlanta. I love his name. I do too. Tickets for that are $25 in advance. They go up to $30 at the door. That'll get underway at about 7.30 tomorrow night, again at JJ's Live in North Fayetteville. Happening up in Bentonville tomorrow night, the Momentary is going to have the Tigran Hamazian Trio. Tell me about it. It's a jazz trio that's led by pianist Tigran Hamazian, okay. and it's part of their North American tour. Tickets for that are $30, $24 if you're a member of the Momentary, and that'll get underway at about 8 o'clock tomorrow night in the Roadhouse at the Momentary in Bentonville. For just a second, my brain thought you were referring to Sarah and Tegan, and no, I was going to be very excited. No, not, no, not that no. this trio is nothing to, <laughs> to miss, but... Moving on. Majestic in Fort Smith tomorrow is going to have kind of an alt-country show. They're featuring the band's 49 Winchester from Virginia, and then... Kendall Marvel, who's a songwriter originally from Southern Illinois, but he spent several years in Nashville. Preach a man working on the day of rest. Everybody sweating through the Sunday best. Pouring it on like gravy and grits. Soul food fattening up the hypocrites. All day singing. So we're getting people from all over this weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tickets are $20 in advance. They go up to $25 at the door. That's tomorrow night at 8 o'clock at the Majestic in Fort Smith. Okay, jumping ahead to Saturday, George's in Fayetteville is going to welcome back Funk Factory. Uh, and that's always a good time. Yeah, they're, they're dubbing it as Beat LSU Night. Okay. Which I think most people can support. Yes. Cover for that show is $15. That'll get underway at 9 o'clock Saturday again at George's in Fayetteville. Moving on. Back over to Eureka Springs Saturday night, Gotta Hold Brewing is going to have a couple of sets, actually, starting with Molly Healy at 3 p.m. She's a Springfield-based multi-instrumentalist yeah. and singer-songwriter. It's Sunday she feels a little restless, so she rides her bike downtown to catch a show. She knows she'll run into some folks, but her intention is to blend into the paintings on the wall. After that, at about 5.30, Jake Reno will take the stage with his Southern and Americana rock and blues. Cool. Again, that's at Gotta Hold Brewing Saturday in Eureka Springs. Also happening Saturday, down in Fort Smith, Temple Live is going to have the Cadillac 3 and The Woods on stage. If you're unaware, the Cadillac 3, they're a rock band from Nashville. They're a vintage-sounding rock band with three-part harmonies, also from Nashville. Tickets start at $20. That gets underway at 6 o'clock Saturday at Temple Live in Fort Smith. Sunday, George's and Fayetteville is going to have a hard rock, emo, and metalcore show featuring the band's Kingdom Collapse, which is from Texas, The Funeral Portrait, which is an Atlanta-based emo band, Versus Me, which is a metalcore band from Wisconsin, and then locals Open Addiction and Gala Walker are also on the bill. My goodness. Tickets are $15 advance. They go up to $18 at the door. That's at 8 o'clock Sunday evening again at George's in Fayetteville. That starts at 8 
And you have five bands? Well, on a school night? Now, I can't speak to this lineup in particular, but I know a lot of metal sets tend to be a little bit shorter, so they fit more music into the build. Moving on, Tuesday night, Walton Art Center in Fayetteville is going to welcome Gaelic Storm right. to Ballmarker Hall. Yeah. They're a multinational genre-bending Irish rock band. Yeah. Come away, come away with the trouble and shore. Come away with the raggle taggle gypsy. Your wheel raggle taggle here, wheel raggle taggle there. Raggle up and down, taggle everywhere. From the north, from the south, from the east to the west. Well, the sky is a roof and the road is a rest. No one say yes, no one say no. Run free with the raggle taggle gypsy, yo. They've actually topped Billboard's world music chart six times over the past 20 years. That's with the achievement. Yeah. Tickets start at $25. That gets underway at 7 o'clock Tuesday, again at Walton Arts Center in Fayetteville. And then jumping ahead to Thursday, a show you might be excited about, Kyle. This is one week from today. One week from today, JJ's Live in Fayetteville is going to have Trombone Shorty with Orleans Avenue. I know, and I know many people who are going, some people in my household. I'll be home with Daisy. Trombone Shorty, I've seen him a couple of different times well and he's amazing he's a legend yeah i mean he started playing trombone whenever he was shorter than an actual trombone hence the name i guess i think so okay uh tickets for that are 29.50 in advance they go up to 35 dollars at the door that gets underway next thursday night at 7 30 at jj's live in fayetteville and then one more show next thursday night temple live in fort smith is going to have tracy lawrence in the house oh Hits such as Paint Me a Birmingham, yeah. Time Marches On, other pop country hits from the late 90s, early aughts. Tickets start at $40. That gets underway at 8 o'clock next Thursday at Temple Live in Fort Smith. I am so intrigued by this Time Turner thing. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Timothy. Thank you. Walton Arts Center presents Gaelic Storm, Thursday, November 15th at 7 p.m. Gaelic Storm is a multi-genre Irish rock group that blends sounds from country, bluegrass, and rock and roll with traditional Celtic reels and rollicking pub songs. Tickets available at waltonartscenter.org. November is Native American Heritage Month. The Museum of Native American History invites you to celebrate the lives and artistry of the first people of all of the Americas. Located in Bentonville, open Monday through Saturday from 9 to 5. More information at M-O-N-A-H dot org. This is Ozarks at Large. A reminder, you can keep up with what's going on where you live, not just here on Ozarks at Large, but every weekday morning. Daniel Carruth delivers news at 5.30 and 7.30 each Monday through Friday from the Karen Taha News Studio. And Pete Hartman places a spotlight on area nonprofits each weekday morning at 6.30 and 8.30 with the Community Spotlight. Leo Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with Sound Perimeter. We open Sound Perimeter today with Gabriel Forest's Fantasy Opus 79 for flute and piano, interpreted by French flutist Mathilde Calderini. Forest wrote Fantasy in 1898 and dedicated it to his friend, flutist and composer Paul Tafanel. 
Mathilde Calderini is principal flute with the Orchestre Philharmonique de Radio France since 2020. She has won several prizes in many prestigious competitions all over the world and has a special love for chamber music, which is music to be performed with a small group of people. When asked in a 2021 interview about what she likes best about performing, Mathilde says, quote, I love the very first step you put on a stage when you feel that this is it. I am very often stressed before going on a stage, and that very first step always feels like a relief. And in general, I love feeling the energy that the audience gives you on a stage, the exchange and complicity that can be created sometimes with other musicians and audiences. Enjoy that complicity. That was Gabriel Forest's Fantasy Opus 79 for flute and piano, interpreted by French flutist Mathilde Calderini. Born in Havana, Cuba, Sheila del Bosque is a multi-award winning musician and one of the most in-demand young flutists in Cuba. Her, mu her music features contemporary and traditional Afro-Cuban music with the influence of European and jazz ingredients. Awarded a full tuition scholarship, Del Bosque enrolled in January of 2018 at Berkeley School of Music, where she has shared the stage with musicians such as Omar Hakim, Paquito de Rivera, Danilo Perez, Berta Rojas, and Aida Cuevas. Sheila says about her music, quote, Once I heard that the most oppressed people are the ones with the happiest music, and I thought about my people, and I thought about my music. I think my music is a mixture of all the components of who I am, Cuba, my culture, my family, my son, my sea. 
the sweat that is mixed with the steps of a frantic dance, the pain, tiredness, and nostalgia of dark nights with little old yellow lights. My music is a mix of European classical music, Cuban popular music, and American popular music. Cuba has always been that eternal cradle of musical genres and that eternal hodgepodge. I could not define my music specifically, and to frame it would be its death, because my music is the result of all these universes. Defining my music as danceable or outgoing would be to fall into a grotesque caricature of an extroverted Cuba. There is an intimate island of the trova, the serenade, the peasant music, feeling, the descargas, and songs, singing essences and truths that just a few know. So my music is outgoing and intimate. It is stylized and simplistic. It is a cradle and it is tradition. It is everything I want to be. Her original piece, Cuentos del Aire, starts with an introduction in Spanish. The wind spoke to my ear and said that there is life in every seat and all lives in the world dance in the clear night. I am dance clear and dark. Yo soy noche y también día. Yo soy danza oscura y clara. Soy vida del mundo y semilla con olor a viento de agua. Soy música y también pausa. Soy velero, soy ribera. Soy lo que ves cuando pasas. Soy lo que ves cuando quedas. Cuban flutist, composer and conductor Sheila del Bosque interpreting her own composition Cuentos del Aire from Transformation, a video recorded for Two Track, a series of recordings made by Berkeley School of Music for its YouTube and social media channels. Today we talk about transformation and featured the flute in sound pinimeter. This is Leo Uribe, Associate Professor at the University of Arkansas Music Department, expanding our musical boundaries with sound pinimeter. Sound Perimeter is a segment dedicated to diverse voices in and around music. I hope it will expand your knowledge and connection to inclusive sounds and let music infiltrate your lives and transform your realities. See you soon.
On tomorrow's Ozarks at Large, investing in Fort Smith. We have a lot of great opportunities coming to our community that we need to be prepared for. And as a result, people should be able to um, take advantage of resources that are in our area or those resources that are coming to our area. Plus, Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics helps us wrap up a week's worth of news. Ozarks at Large, tomorrow at noon and 7. You can always ask your smart speaker to please play Ozarks at Large to hear the most recent edition. That's from the CD Rose and Rose, featuring Keith Jackson on saxophone. We're going to learn more about that record in a bit. We also have the chance to see Keith perform with Adam Shedd on drums and Jacob Heidemann on bass Sunday night at 7 in Miller Lodge on Mount Sequoia. The concert is part of the Trillium Salon series. Keith is a Fayetteville native, but he's been based in Chicago for years. His compositions, live performances, and recordings span a wide breadth of sound. And I told him last week during a phone conversation that his music always seems to be evolving, never sounding the same. It's not so much that we're avoiding something, but the thing that we're looking for in when, when improvising, when playing music, is it's something that often gives that result. The, you know, the method that we're using, that's what we end up with. I'm not saying that if somebody does it another way, sorry, if someone else used the same method, they might end up sounding the same all the time. That's completely, uh, nothing wrong with that. Tell me about the folks you're going to be bringing with you to Fayetteville. Well, we've got Adam Shedd on drums and... Jacob Heinemann on bass, and these are guys of, uh, I guess, a couple different generations, both younger than me, who I've met over the past few years playing here. I'm very excited to be playing with them. They're both very creative, energetic, um, thoughtful improvisers who contribute a great deal, and together the space that we create... um, I would say, to me, it feels unique. How did how did the three of you start playing together? Well, we met, you know, kind of on the scene, playing in different groups with different folks, and I had the idea that I I hadn't had a a group like this, you know, with uh, uh, this kind of trio in a long time. So I had the idea that I wanted to try that again as a collaborative effort as a cooperative you know that we would all contribute pieces and ideas you know people to collaborate with and I asked these two guys they were ready to do it and so far it's worked out great you mentioned that they're from a different generation a bit younger um but does that can that can that matter can can someone who is 10 or 20 years younger or older than you bring something that maybe you don't have or haven't thought of? Absolutely. And I think that's that's part of the reason, you know, I'm not going to say I'm old or I don't know how I'll let someone else judge that. But as I get older, I've noticed that, you know, one of the really important things when playing music and, um, you know, interacting with other musicians is we have to work with the younger generation because otherwise everything kind of stops, you know. When I was a kid growing up in Fayetteville, I remember, you know, quite cl- quite clearly um, being mentored by, you know, Alan Gibson, Hayes Porterfield, John Clark, Claudia Burson, Jim Greeson, and many others. And that's really the only way to learn is from people that are more experienced than you. 
And so it's, it is a form of debt, you know, mm-hmm. that now I have to share, um, whatever it is, this experience, knowledge, approach, ideas, um, that's really important. Can it work the other way? Can the younger guys give you something? Well, absolutely. And that's why, that's why you choose, you know, certain people. And, and so I thought that these two would be a good fit, um, for, you know, for that reason. I want to, I, I know that this record was not done with the, the musicians you're going to be with in Fayetteville, but the record rows and rows. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I love Thundercooker. It's just an, an amazing song. Jason Edeshevitz, the vibraphone player, who's the other the record you mentioned is a duo record. Um, so we've been playing together for probably, yeah, I would say he's one of the first people I met when I moved here. We've been playing together off and on this, basically this whole time. And, um, actually it's funny, you know, I'll be honest with you. There was a moment where he started playing a duo, uh, doing some duo concerts with Peter Bretzmann. He's a German saxophone player, very famous. And I said, man, you know, this is our, this is our guy, you know, Jason. I could put together a duo project, you know, with him and have, you know, written material and collaborate. And so that's what we did. What else should we know about uh, the show that's, that, that's going to come up on Mount Sequoia? Well, Adam and Jacob and I, all three of us contributed original compositions and we're also going to play tunes by other people too, including um, we've got some by John Chikai, Henry Threadgill, Dudu Pukwana, David Ake, Dewey Redman. So we've got we ha- we have what we hope proves to be a nice variety for everyone. Keith, I look forward to the performance. Thanks a lot. Okay. Keith Jackson will perform Sunday night at 7 in Miller Lodge on Mount Sequoia as part of the Trillium Salon Series. He'll be playing with Adam Shedd on drums, Jacob Heineman on bass. You can learn more about the show at TrilliumSalonSeries.com. More about Keith at KeithJackson.com. And he says he thinks the last time he performed in Fayetteville was at Scarpino's about 20 years ago. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Witter. KUAF is a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. Contributors this Thursday included Timothy Dennis, Anna Pope, Leah Uribe, Jacqueline Froelich, and Paul Gatling. Timothy produced today's show and today's sound perimeter inside the Harold and Blanchcock News Studio. Stephanie Brock produced today's edition of the Northwest Arkansas Business Journal Report. Another show tomorrow at noon and 7 p.m. Thanks for listening. I'm Kyle Kellens. Be safe, and we will talk again very soon.